0: Today we are starting a new series on healing. And each week we're going to be adjusting our service links so that we've got plenty of time to pray at the end. We're going to pray and we're going to ask God to do miracles because God still does miracles and God still heals. So we're going to believe with you and we're going to believe with your friends for God to touch them. If you're watching online uh, through Facebook, we want to pray with you and believe that God can touch and heal you right there where you are. Just comment on the live feed and one of our prayer pastors will pray with you right there in the midst of that chat. See, I was raised in church by my aunt. We went to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, and pretty much any other time that the doors were open. I am grateful for that heritage of faith and the relationship with Jesus that my aunt modeled. I learned to pray, to worship, to give, to serve, and to follow by watching her example. That's the way it used to be. Religious beliefs were handed down from your parents. If mom and dad were Methodists, then you would be a Methodist for life. If your grandparents were were Lutheran, then your parents were Lutheran, and you were Lutheran. If your background was Pentecostal, then you would always be Pentecostal. If your family was Assembly of God, you would be Assembly of God. Your Catholic family would be Catholic for generations. You weren't Catholic or Lutheran or Methodist or Assembly of God because you chose to be. You just never considered anything else. Well, that's not true anymore. Now, in in ever-increasing amounts, people are trying out different religions in their search for God, and they're exploring their spirituality like never before. They do much of that exploring online. I want to caution you this morning. Just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. Be careful when you explore spiritual questions on the internet. I've seen otherwise smart people be led astray by websites that twist truth, make up credentials, and ignore common academic standards. Here's the principle. Just because someone sounds smart doesn't mean that they are smart. Just because it sounds like it is truth doesn't mean that it is truth. Just because it's on the internet doesn't mean that it's true. Listen, I can't tell you how many times people have sent me a, a chain letter or an email or message on Facebook, right? If you'll just forward this to 10 people, then Bill Gates is going to give you $1,000. Listen to me. No, he wants. Stop it, right? I, 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 and so I, re- I reply, look, it's spam. Stop, right? You can find people against everything imaginable. Right, And you can also find people that are for crazy things. Be cautious. If you aren't sure, just ask. We'll tell you if it's a scam. We'll tell you if it's true. One of the challenges of all of the religious systems being taught is a tendency to put too much emphasis on yourself. Every religious system other than Christianity teaches you that you must attain a certain level of good works or accomplishment in order to achieve heaven or paradise. It's about you. If you can accomplish enough good, then you will reach heaven. If you don't do enough, then you won't make it to heaven. What do you what you do determines where you go. Well, how much is enough? Nobody knows. No one can tell you. But here's one thing that is certain is that it's all up to you. It's not on purpose, but when we take cues from other religions and and we apply it to your belief system, it becomes all about you. What have you done? What have you said? How much faith do you have? If you haven't been healed, it's because you don't have enough faith. If you haven't received a financial miracle, it's because you haven't given enough or done enough to qualify. And good-hearted people say things like, if you have this sickness, it must be your fault. You need to examine your life. There must be sin. You must be doing something wrong. Or they say, you wouldn't need a knee replacement if you just had enough faith. Or they say... Say you're healed and you'll be healed, right? Don't admit that you're sick and you won't be sick. Just have more faith. Was that really true? Can you confess your way into healing or can you confess your way out of the healing? When you say, I have a headache, are you claiming that headache? And now God will give you more headaches because you said you had a headache. Doesn't that seem kind of silly? We've been taught to think it's some kind of formula. If you can get to the right faith healer, if you can say the right prayer or give the right offering or go to the right church or go to the right conference or, or have the right amount of faith, if you can figure out the formula, then God will heal you. I read a book a couple of years ago that taught the right way to pray for any and every physical problem in your life. It had a list of physical issues and where to place your hands, and what to say in order to be healed. According to the author, if you don't pray the right way, then it doesn't work. I picture God in heaven saying, ooh, nice try. Man, if you'd have just moved your hand three inches to the right, and man, if you'd have just rephrased that a little bit, man, I would have healed. But man, keep trying, you'll get there eventually. Today we start this series on healing, and I want to tackle a difficult theological question, hopefully in an easy-to-understand way. When it comes to a healing or a miracle, how much is up to you, and how much is up to God? We're going to look at two stories in the New Testament, two men that were both in desperate situations. Um, Today in your outline, I've given you both sets of scriptures uh, because if you try to flip back and forth in your Bible, I have a feeling you're probably going to get lost. So it's there for your reference. These men, their only hope was a miracle from Jesus. These two men had some similarities, but really they were completely different. By studying their stories and Jesus' reaction side by side, you're going to discover some important things about miracles. And I hope to relieve some pressure for you today. Mark chapter 10 tells the story of Bartimaeus, a blind man desperate to see. In John chapter 5, we find the story of an invalid, a man who couldn't move and was desperate to walk. Both men had a need. One was blind and the other couldn't walk. It's important to understand that in the culture in Bible times, because they were handicapped, they were regarded as subhuman and as a worthless drain on society. Their handicap was viewed as the result of sin. They believed that the invalid couldn't walk and Bartimaeus couldn't see because God was punishing them. And so people ignored and avoided the handicapped. It was a deep-seated, An ugly prejudice. Both men had a need, but both men also had a plan. Bartimaeus' plan was simple. He stood by the road. When Jesus came by, Bartimaeus planned to shout out and ask for healing. Now, the invalid, on the other hand, had a much more complex plan. He staked out a small pond called the Pool of Bethesda a crowd-gathering place for people with all kinds of illnesses. And people believed that an angel came by and stirred up the water, and whoever the first one to touch the water after the angel stirred it would be healed. When the water began to move in a mysterious way, there was a race to the pool. The invalid's plan was to jump in the pool at the first ripple. Well, the only problem with this plan is he couldn't walk. He couldn't run to the poor, jump in the water. The reality is it wasn't much of a plan. Mark 10, 46, is Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Bartimaeus couldn't go out and get a job, but he had some initiative. Every day, Bartimaeus got up early so that he could get a good spot on the side of the road. He spent his whole day begging, hoping that somebody would have pity on him and give him a few small coins. It wasn't much, but at least Bartimaeus was doing something. The invalid, on the other hand, was doing absolutely nothing. He was lying on a mat by the pool day after day. He couldn't get up and run. He couldn't jump into the water. He was a picture of a guy wallowing in self-pity. I can't walk. I can't run. I'll just lay here until I die. It's the first big difference between them. Bartimaeus was doing everything he could. And the invalid was doing nothing. So, who are you like? Are you doing everything you know to do? Or are you like the invalid, feeling sorry for yourself, just hoping that one day you'll have a lucky break? Have you ever heard the verse, God helps those who help themselves? Right? Isn't that a great verse? There's one problem with that verse, though. It's not in the Bible. Right? And it's only partly true. God does help people who help themselves. But God also helps people who can't help themselves. When Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus always drew a crowd. It was a chance for a beggar to make serious money. But Bartimaeus was completely focused on Jesus. His opportunity was for much more than just money. He kept yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus didn't worry at all that the crowd was trying to quiet him. He ignored all the obstacles, and he kept his focus on Jesus. The invalid, however, did the opposite. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? I think the best modern-day picture of the invalid is Eeyore. You guys know Eeyore, right? From when Poor pitiful me. I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. The invalid didn't even recognize Jesus. He just continued his pity party all the excuses for why he couldn't get better. Someone was always faster. No one was around to throw him in the water. The helpless man's world was confined to a tiny mat on the stones that surround the pool. Bartimaeus was Jesus-focused. The invalid was excuse-focused. Which one are you like? Are you focused on Jesus Or on your problems and your excuses. All the reasons that you're not happy. All the reasons you won't get healed. All the reasons you can't get a miracle. When Jesus heard Bartimaeus yelling, he said, he stopped him. And so they called on the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Jesus asked, what do you want from me? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Bartimaeus was full of hope. When Jesus asked him what he wanted, Bartimaeus could have asked for money. He could have asked for a a prime begging spot or a new job. He could have said, hey, why don't you let me speak for a while, and then we'll take up an offering for me. But instead, Bartimaeus went for the whole thing. He said, I want to see. When Jesus asked the invalid, do you want to get well? He replied, sir, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. When I try to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. He didn't say, yes, I want to walk. He had given up. We don't know exactly why this man was at the pool. We don't know. What we do know is that he'd been there, an invalid, for 38 years. And for almost four decades, he had seen through the eyes of hopelessness, waiting for a healing that didn't come. He no longer believed healing was possible. He was an excuse making, no chance taking, hopeless case. What a difference. Bartimaeus was hopeful, and the invalid was hopeless. What about you? Are you hopeful? While I I talk about this series on healing, does your heart jump because you know that this is your moment? Or have you given up on ever receiving your, your miracle and said, I just have to live with this? And Jesus called Bartimaeus, throwing his cloak aside, which by the way, during this time was a really big deal because clothes were really expensive, but he didn't care about any of that. He jumped to his feet And he came to Jesus. When Jesus called, Bartimaeus followed the sound of his voice, because remember, he can't see, and he passed through the crowd to find Jesus. The invalid, on the other hand, couldn't come to Jesus. He wasn't physically able to approach. So Jesus, in his mercy, went to the invalid. Isn't that an awesome thought? The man wasn't able to approach Jesus, so Jesus approached him. He walked up in the middle of the invalid's hopeless sorrow and despair. What a difference. Bartimaeus came to Jesus, yet Jesus came to the invalid. In spite of their differences, both men had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus stopped for both of them. Bartimaeus, who was filled with hope, and and then the invalid who had no hope. The blind man shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus came and asked him what he wanted, he replied, I want to see. Somehow, Bartimaeus knew who Jesus was. He addressed Jesus, as son of David, a term that meant the Messiah. We assume that Jesus had taught in the area where Bartimaeus lived, and on one occasion, Bartimaeus must have been on the edge of the crowd and heard life-giving words. Perhaps because he was blind, Bartimaeus listened better than everyone else. And apparently sometime, Bartimaeus made the decision that Jesus was more than a man, that he was the son of God. Bartimaeus was a faith-filled believer in Jesus. The invalid, though, wasn't a believer, a follower, or even a casual observer, Jesus was the most famous teacher of the day, a figure who attracted attention and inspired controversy everywhere he went. Everyone had heard about Jesus. But this guy, sitting by the pool, had never even heard of him. Jesus asked him, and he simply responded with, Sir. Imagine all of those sick people sitting around the pool waiting for healing, not knowing that the healer himself was on the scene. The invalid couldn't have been a believer or he would have known who Jesus was. So if he wasn't a believer, then there's no way he would be healed, right? If he didn't believe in Jesus, how could he do his part, right? How could he have any faith? Another huge difference is Bartimaeus was a believer and the invalid didn't even ask who Jesus was. And Jesus came to him. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked Bartimaeus. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. There was no hesitation, no doubt. I want to see was what he said. And Jesus, when Jesus came to him, Bartimaeus was ready to receive. Bartimaeus knew what he wanted, healing. The invalid didn't even know what he needed. Do you want to get well, sir, the invalid? replied, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. The invalid didn't even ask to be healed. He was just looking for someone committed enough to stay with him and throw him in the pool, which, by the way, wouldn't have gone well. Maybe he thought that Jesus would hang around with him until the water was stirred and help him in. The invalid was looking for natural answers, when the supernatural answer was right in front of him. Comparing these stories, we root for Bartimaeus. right? He deserves to be healed. And truthfully, we're kind of apathetic towards the invalid. But both had an encounter with Jesus, and surprisingly, both received a miracle. For some of you, everything you believed about miracles and healing is about to be challenged but we're just going to stick to the Bible. Look at what happened next. First, Bartimaeus. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. You see what Jesus said? Bartimaeus was healed because of his faith. So that must be the key. That must be the secret to healing. If you want to be healed, you got to have great faith. It's up to you. Even though it's not a Bible verse, it's true. God does help those who help himself. But now the invalid, after all of his complaining, Jesus told him, you lazy bum, get one of your friends to throw you in the pool. Is that what he said? No. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Wait a second. If the key is faith, then why in the world was the invalid healed? He didn't have any faith. He didn't even know who Jesus was. Nothing he did brought his healing. In fact, when Jesus offered healing, he wanted someone to throw him in the pool. I'm surprised the guy didn't say, just forget it. I'm staying on my comfortable mat. Bartimaeus was healed because of his faith. The invalid wasn't healed because of his faith. The invalid was healed because of Jesus' compassion. Jesus said to Bartimaeus, Go, your faith has, what? Healed you. Bartimaeus was a believer before being healed. His faith was the key to his healing. The invalid was not a believer before his healing. In fact, he he didn't become a believer until sometime after his healing. His faith came as a result of the miracle. Now, this will mess with some of your theology. If you've always believed that healing and miracles was a result of faith, how in the world do you explain this? Right? There's only one possible explanation. The love of God. God, in his love and his mercy, chose to reveal himself to the invalid by healing a sickness. Bartimaeus was healed because of his faith in Jesus. The invalid had faith in Jesus. Because he was healed. Now, I think of people who struggle with depression. It's rare that someone who's fighting depression is at the same time filled with faith. These emotions are contrary to each other. Man, thank God it's not about you. right? It's not about what you say, what you pray, what you do. He's God, and you're not. Now, let me caution you with a balance point and save myself some angry emails or or random posts on Facebook that nobody tags me in. You could listen so far and say, Pastor Jason doesn't believe in faith. He doesn't think faith makes a difference. If you say that, you're twisting my words and you're misrepresenting the truth. I am faith-filled. I believe in an all-powerful God who is able to do far beyond what we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And Scripture's clear that faith is necessary for the follower of Jesus. Hebrews 11 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I believe in faith. But at the same time, I am thankful that when my faith is weak, God is still able to heal. His miraculous power is unlimited. God's miraculous power is not limited by your faith. What happens next is amazing. Bartimaeus did what we expect. Bartimaeus left the beggar's tools behind and he followed Jesus. The man who restored his sight was worthy of following. But watch what happened with the invalid. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had healed, It's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk? And here's the most amazing part of this story. The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Now, I can't imagine that. Put yourself in the invalid's place. You're crippled and you can't walk. You've been laying by this pool for 38 years. You've lost all hope. You'll never have a chance to walk again. And then one day, a man walks up and heals you. Would you lose track of him in the crowd? Would you let him just slip away? Is there any way that you wouldn't possibly know his name? I don't think so. You would grab onto Jesus with everything you had determined to follow him forever. Not this guy. Many people, even though they've been touched by God and they've experienced his love and his power, they lose sight of him in their crowded, busy life just like the invalid did. And what do you think should happen next? The verse should say this. When the invalid didn't acknowledge Jesus, God made him crippled again. But not Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, filled with incredible love, love that we can't even imagine, went to find the invalid again. So later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. See, Jesus was not only concerned about the invalid's physical condition, he was also concerned about his physical condition as well. Jesus' point was sobering. Sin has consequences far worse than any sickness. 38 years as an invalid was nothing compared to an eternity in hell. Two stories and two guys. Both Bartimaeus and the invalid had the opportunity to become followers of Jesus. Bartimaeus immediately chose to follow. We don't really know what the decision the invalid made, but it appears that he became a follower because he returned to the Jews and he told them that Jesus was the one who healed him. He didn't have to go back. He didn't have to testify, but he became a witness to the power of Jesus. Both men had a Savior. What does, who does God help? There's two categories of people. God helps those who can help themselves like Bartimaeus, and God helps those who can't help themselves like the invalid. It's not about you. It's about him. It's not about the words you say, the faith you feel, or the things you do. It's not about where you go, or or what person prays for you, or the words they say. Right, All those things are wonderful and good, but it's not about you. It's not about finding the formula. It's about finding Jesus, who loves you beyond all love. The lesson from Bartimaeus is run to Jesus. People may try to discourage you. It may not seem like you have much hope, but run to Jesus. When hope is gone, when doctors don't have an answer, when you don't know where to turn, run to Jesus. Don't let anything stop you from coming to Jesus. The lesson from the invalid? 38 years had passed. He was convinced things would never get any better. The invalid didn't deserve to be healed. He didn't exhibit any faith to warrant a response from Jesus. He didn't even know who Jesus was. And in his case, rather than just help those who can help themselves, Jesus helped a helpless man. When everything around you fails, when when friends or family aren't around to to give you what you need, when your cries for help seem to bounce off the ceiling, God's mercy steps in. Mercy is God's response to misery. Maybe you feel like you've been abandoned and all outside help has vanished. You've tried everything that you can think of, but nothing's worked. Listen, I've got good news for you today. You are a perfect candidate for the mercy of God. When we are helpless and hopeless, God reaches out in mercy. Mercy is available to you. But mercy can't be forced on someone. Jesus didn't walk up to the man and say, you're going to be healed whether you like it or not. Jesus didn't force it. He simply asked, Do you want to be made well? God never forces his mercy on you. It must be received. You can receive a miracle. If you've got a lot of faith, a little faith, or none at all. If you are hopeful or you're hopeless. If you're convinced or you're a doubter. Today, Can be your day for a miracle. You say, Are you telling me that I can come forward for prayer even if I don't believe in Jesus? Yes, absolutely. Maybe you're saying, I should pray for people in my life who who don't even think that Jesus is real. Yes, because their lack of belief doesn't stop Jesus' power. Today can be your day for a miracle. It's not up to you. It's not some formula. It's God's power and God's mercy at work in your life. I've been praying that God would heal people as we pray together during this series. If you don't have faith for your healing, I have good news for you. I do. We're going to pray and we're going to believe together. If you are faith-filled like Bartimaeus, we're going to pray for your healing. If you're hopeless and miserable like the invalid, we're also going to pray and believe that God will touch you. Since I was about 12, I had about 90% of the hearing in my left ear that was gone. If I was talking to a friend, I would always have to turn my right ear towards them so that I could hear. If I was in a crowded room, I couldn't hear anything because of all of the noise. About nine years ago, on a Sunday night, there was an evangelist that was praying for people to be healed. They called people to come forward to be prayed for that wanted healing. I went down because I wanted healing. We were in a line across the front of the church, and I was right dab in the middle. He started praying for people. And the first person he prayed for... Fell over. I'd been in Pentecostal for a while, but I just went, all right. And then as he continued to pray for people, they continued to fall down. In my head, I was a little bit angry because I thought he was praying for people and just shoving them down for show. I didn't want to go down. I wasn't going to give this guy a courtesy drop. Right? I'm not going to go over. And by this point, I didn't even think that God could use this guy to bring healing. He got to me and he began to pray that God would touch me and he would heal me. And I was for it. I'd offset my legs. I was down. My neck was tense. And he just very lightly put his hand on my head and he began to pray. Well, as he prayed, I did some kind of weird funky chicken dance. And on the way down, I hit my head on the, on the altar pews. And I'm not sure how long I was on the ground. I felt awfully foolish because I said I wasn't going to go down. Now, I don't want you to think that you've got to fall over to be healed. There's no scriptural evidence for that. But when I got up, and it was really loud in the room, not like everyone was screaming loud, but I could hear the little things that I hadn't been able to hear for over 15 years. That night, God had miraculously healed my hearing. That next week I went to the doctor and had a hearing test that confirmed that I had regained 100% of my hearing and I now had perfect hearing. By the way, nine years later, I just had my physical for the army and guess whose hearing is still perfect? See, I started with faith and I ended with none. I was Bartimaeus and the invalid all in the same moment. Listen, whether you are faith-filled or you are faithless, God can heal you. If you're faith-filled, we're going to pray for you. And we're going to pray that God heals you. And if you feel hopeless, and you say, I've gone forward for prayer so many times, and I just don't believe it's going to happen anymore. I don't know that God can heal me we want to pray for you too whether it's a long-term illness or something that just happened whether it's physical emotional or a broken heart mercy is available for you and healing is here Lord thank you that you touch people and that you heal people God, thank you that miracles are not dependent on what we say or do. God, it relieves so much pressure from us when we realize it's not about how much faith we have or don't have or what we say or what we pray. It's about you and your love and your mercy and your power. So we ask you to heal people right here this morning. I pray that you would heal people who are filled with faith and ready to receive healing. And I pray that you would heal people who are skeptics and who aren't sure that it's available because your power is available to us. God, I pray for those who are watching online right now. God, that you would heal them right where they are. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to pray with you this morning. If you need a miracle, I want you to stand up where you are. You might say, well, what will people think? Well, they're going to think you need a miracle because that's what we just talked about. Would you stand? If, if you need a miracle from God, you need a healing, you need a touch, whatever it is, you to stay standing for just a moment. Some of our pastors and some of our leaders are going to be down here in just a moment and we want to pray with you. And I'm going to ask you to come down to the front to one of us. If there isn't anyone available when you come down, I want you to just fill up this front area and we'll come and pray with as soon as we're done praying for the next person. And we're going to ask you, what do you want to pray about? Right? Because some of us in here have been in services where they just start praying, and by the time they're done, you're going, well, you didn't pray what I needed you to pray for, right? And and so our our pastors and our leaders are going to ask you, what do you want to pray about? And I want you to share with them. I'm sick, whatever it is. And we're gonna pray with you, and we're gonna we're gonna ask God to do a miracle in your life. Now I want to make it easy for everyone to get up front. I'm gonna ask that everybody else would stand right now. If you're standing and want a miracle, come to the front. Come on down. We're going to pray with you. Come to the front. and We're going to pray and believe that God is going to touch you and God is going to heal you because He still does miracles. Now, if there's someone down here that that you want to pray with and you say, I feel like I can pray with them for the miracle, then come on. We're going to believe together And we're going to pray together for a miracle in Jesus' name because we believe we still serve a God who heals. Amen? So our leaders are going to begin to pray. If you're not being prayed for, would you pray silently there where they are? Because today, maybe it's not you. But you know what? Next week, it may be. Or a month from now. And I want you to pray for these men and these women as you would want someone else to pray with you. Ashley's going to keep playing on the guitar and we're just going to pray. So let's do that this morning.